All right, and welcome back to Raging Romantics. We're so happy to have you. If you're new here, what are you doing with your life? Go back and listen to the rest of our episodes, people. Come on now. We are on Spotify, which is extremely exciting. I know. I feel so official. Uh, If you are interested in connecting with us, stay tuned until the very end of the podcast where we'll reveal how you can talk to us in real time. I've been waiting for that this entire time. I know. More Jen and Jackie. All right, you guys are here for billionaire discussion at the moment. So let's go ahead. Let's get rolling into our billionaire book discussion. Hey there, romance nerds. Welcome to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. We are librarians at Northern Onondaga Public Library, and we are also romance nerds. Now, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, wait for it. Romance! romance specifically the romance genre of books we are going to be talking about anything and everything having to do with romance uh the genre the tropes anything and everything so with that being said sometimes our material will be a little too sensitive for younger readers if you feel the need to wait until they go to bed we will be here for you we would also like to issue just a general trigger warning for some of the things that we do talk about. We will always try to issue specific trigger warnings for each episode so that you know what you're getting into. Now, without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I've been ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage. Hey, Jackie. Yes? How did the rich man get caught sleeping with the banker's wife? How? He was making more deposits than withdrawals. <laughs> oh my god. We're so getting fired over this. <laughs> I don't know where your mind went. I'm stuck on the deposit situation. <laughs> well, I could think of no better segue to begin than a ridiculous banker joke to discuss billionaires. Yes, because that sounds very not okay and billionaires well, it worked in my head yeah no i was I, I don't know where i was going with anything but <laughs> that's usual for me so let's move into the books shall we mm-hmm. all right so for this uh book discussion we read a couple different billionaire romance books for you guys the majority of these are okay so three out of four are kindle unlimited books yeah. um but one i did actually just order for the library so Ooh. So you can read it too and let us know. Yeah. And then I can reread it and love it and force it upon everybody who comes into the library. Fun times. But we're going to start something new as well with our book discussions. And we're going to start doing chili pepper ratings. If you have no idea what the heck I'm talking about, that's fine. Half the time, I don't know what I'm talking about either. So uh, a chili pepper rating, we're going to give these books a steam factor, one or X out of five. So five chili peppers being, holy Hannah, that was the spiciest thing I've ever seen in my entire life since the bucket scene in Australia is, what's his name? Hugh Jackman. That, that was a five out of five. I don't know. I don't get that reference. That's okay. I'll make you watch it eventually. Oh, boy. <laughs> but if it's a one out of five, it's pretty much, it's a clean romance. It's, it's Amish. Basically. Like, maybe they kiss. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That maybe it was a really spicy kiss. That would be a two out of five. But. And with that, let's take it to almost the beginning of the billionaire romances. 2011's Made for the Billionaire. M-A-I-D. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's a pun, guys. <laughs> 
she impersonates a maid. The heroine impersonates a maid. <laughs> That's why it's made for the billionaire. But was she also made for him? Was she faded? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So Made for the Billionaire by Ruth Cardello was published mm-hmm. in 2011. So it is one of the earliest modern billionaire romance books. Yeah. Uh, in the last episode, we talked about how the first billionaire romance we really found was in the 1980s. But it's super hard to find. Yeah. So Jen <laughs> did find it on thrift books, uh, but she found mm-hmm. it the day before we were recording this. So Yeah, that was dumb of me. I should have <laughs> thought of that sooner, guys. And we could have had another beautiful audio of me ranting over an old vintage book. <laughs> but instead, we get to hear me ranting over what's not a very good book either. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> It wasn't the worst thing that we have ever read. What's your chili pepper rating for this? Um, I'm going to give this two and a half chili peppers. I'm giving it none because I couldn't finish it. <laughs> really stupid. Oh, you officially didn't finish it then. I officially didn't. I tried really hard to read it again last night, and it was just more interesting to watch reruns of Schitt's Creek. Yeah, fair enough. I don't blame you for that one. <laughs> so this book is the first in the series. It's the Legacy series by Ruth Cardello, which is all about billionaires. And Ruth actually writes the majority of her romance books are billionaire books so i think she's has like her own little niche in the billionaire sector i guess you could say and this book specifically focuses on our heroine who i honestly forgot her name already oh yikes i did too when i read it last night okay fair. okay so our heroine i got it guys our <laughs> heroine is abigail <laughs> aka abby and she mm-hmm. is um, she's she's a lower working class, not she's that middle rich. school teacher. She's a middle school teacher. Um and she is covering for her sick sister, Lil, who is a maid in the hero's household. And our hero is Dominic Corisi. And by the way, who who works for a billionaire and only has two sick days? And that's why this whole yeah, plot even happened. This is Which true. I read that and I got real mad. I was like, <laughs> it's like two sick days. I maybe it's because she's a maid and she's working for a maid service and the maid service isn't that good. So it's like outsourced. Yeah, like uh, Mary Maids. You remember Mary Maids? Yeah, okay, but I still don't understand why you would want a sick person cleaning people's you houses know. where they could get sick, especially right now. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's noticeable to me because of COVID. But I was a little like, okay, whatever. So she is impersonating this maid. She meets the hero. And it is a funny, meet cute kind of, just because I do enjoy when the heroine is mean to the hero and he's like, oh, hey, I like this. She is caught. She's like cleaning the house for her sister and the hero walks in. It is set in Boston, by the way. And the hero walks in and the and the heroine, Abby, goes, oh, no, I'm going to get caught. My sister's going to get fired. This isn't good, whatever. So Abby is caught uh, cleaning the hero's household and she's very worried. She thinks she's going to get her sister fired. But for whatever reason, obviously, the hero doesn't even realize that she's not who he's supposed to be. What a shock. He doesn't know who works for him. Kel surprise. So he but he's instantly attracted to the heroine. And especially when she starts like, sassing him, he's like, oh, I kind of like her. I like this. I'm going to pay you money if you want to sleep with me tonight. And she goes, Ugh. how dare you? Excuse you. And she runs away. And then she backs her car into his Bugatti on purpose. (laughs) That was like the bright spot of this book. Mm -hmm. The plot itself was okay. I mean, it's pretty basic billionaire plot. And a lot of the tropes are there that I like or that I like to see twisted. The writing in this one was just real bad. 
And it's very reminiscent of an early 2000s tense uh, publishing book where there's not a lot of editing yet. People are just kind of figuring out how to publish these things on Kindle and Nook. The writing was really, it felt like my eyes were tripping over the words a lot. It was very info dumpy. And I should say also that this is, um, it's very (laughs) self-published. No shade to self-publishers. I mean, it's a really tough game. It is. There are plenty of self-publishers that are really amazingly successful, but this is, (laughs) this is a very early example when people are kind of trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah, it just, I, I don't know. Even, I don't remember any of the sex scenes. I won't lie. I, I read over it. <laughs> I kind of glazed. I did enjoy this for the tropes that we still are seeing in the modern billionaire romances. It's interesting that, that this very well could have been a romance maybe written in the 2020s mm-hmm. outside of it being a bad writing style. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the end, it's interesting. It got interesting, a little more interesting at least, because they end up going to Asia to work a deal for Dominic's business. Um, he has like a deal in the works with a major Asian business company thing, whatever, however business works. And he ends up being saved by Abby. Abby saves his business deal when she partners with a billionaire which is really fun. Ooh, yeah, that's so new. A heroine, so a female billionaire is like Jen and I were saying in our last episode, something you don't really see all that often, but it's interesting because in the legacy series by Ruth Cardello, you get two of the five books are female billionaires. So she's got the right headspace. I just wish she had the skill. (laughs) And maybe if I read one that she wrote today after all this practice, I'd feel differently. But this one, unless you really want to see the beginning of billionaire romances, if you're a nerds like us, I safe to skip. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's a quick read if you need something at like 11 o'clock to read and you just kind of want to let your eyes glaze over a page but still get that Goodreads credit. Yeah, but honestly, the other ones we the other ones we're about to review are much better. So this should be at the bottom of your list. Okay, let's jump to the next one we're more excited <gasps> for. The one I like. Yeah. So I like all of them <laughs> from this point. All right, so next up, we're going to talk about Wall Street Titan by Ooh. Anna Zares. Zares, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that. I'm not sure either. She's traditionally writes dark romance so usually her characters they end up kidnapping their heroines there's a lot of portrayal aspects uh this one book i really want to read but i'm scared to tormentor mine he actually waterboards her and then decides he wants to be with her yeah it's real dark (laughs) so in this one she's got a lot of those kind of things that i i want to like in those books of like the obsessiveness and the ambition and kind of the the ruthlessness but no but it is safe yeah it's not, <laughs> not they're not gonna be that mean to the heroine in this one but he's still Thank gonna God. be a little he's still very much gonna have that caveman aspect without uh, kidnapping her into an underground bunker wall street titan was published 2019 so it's pretty new and the hero is marcus oh i'm sorry first things first chili pepper rating i give this four out of five chili peppers yeah, I would do like three and a half. Yeah, I mean, the sex, is, there's a lot of sex. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's interesting, too, because it's a little bit character building, because it definitely changes from the first book to the second book. This is a duology. So as he gets more and more invested, because <laughs> he's a hedge fund manager, <laughs> it does change, and it gets a little more uh, caveman-like, I want to say. No, I guess he always started off that way. But three and a half for me. I don't think it was super crazy descriptive the way uh, the future ones we're about to talk about were. Well, that's interesting. So I love this book because of the premise of their meet cute. Is like, yeah. I think it's my 
favorite meat cute I've read in a very long time. Wow, okay. Uh, okay, besides Kiss Quotient. Kiss Quotient has like the ultimate. That one was good. Okay. But so in Wall Street Titan, Marcus is our hero and he is a Wall Street hedge fund manager. So he's got he's got mucho dinero. Okay, he's rolling mm-hmm. in it. Billionaire. Yeah, exactly. Billionaire. And he decides that he wants to marry. He's ready to have an heir. He's ready to, you know, have a wife. He doesn't necessarily want to fall in love, but he's ready basically for a trophy wife status. Okay. Yeah. He's ready to add that to his resume kind yeah, of a thing. Exactly. And so he engages a matchmaking service to hook him up with the perfect woman. And they hook him up with a woman named Emmeline. Now, cut scene to our heroine, <laughs> whose name is Emma. And she is a bookstore clerk and aspiring editor. And she's also a crazy cat lady. It's great. And at the start of the book, her best friend influences her to uh, get back into the dating scene saying, you know, you can't be a sad cat lady forever. I think (laughs) you can be. No offense to cat ladies. I mean, (laughs) I love cats. I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, Um, that was a weird tone, Jackie, for someone who loves cats. I'm a dog person. So I like kitties, but uh, dogs anyways. Okay, so Emma is a bookstore clerk and an aspiring editor. And to get back into the dating scene, she goes onto a popular app, which... um, So this isn't a very modern (laughs) scenario. Listen, like we talked again about authors who are maybe just a little too old or a little too out of it they talk through email they, they nobody emails in a dating app yeah. <laughs> so I, maybe christian mingle i don't know any christian mingle <laughs> out there, let me know how do y'all talk you know what actually i know i've helped set somebody up on that farmer's website farmersonly.com and that was email so I think, yeah, maybe there's a certain segment, but it should not be 26-year-olds looking to date in New York City. Not at all. And even beyond that, so she ends up, Emma ends up matching with a guy named Mark. Oh, <gasps> you see what's happening? Yeah. Do you guys, are you picking up what we're putting down? Are, are you, you picking up? There? So they uh-huh. end up, Emma agrees to meet Mark at a cafe in Brooklyn near where she lives. And mm-hmm. Marcus, through the matchmaking service, agrees to meet Emmeline at the same cafe in Brooklyn and nobody exchanges any photos <laughs> nobody. I mean, you could have snapchatted you could have i i don't i don't know you could have google stalked somebody like a normal person would do yeah come on guys red flag even the red flag back here mm-hmm. okay anyway so marcus heads to the cafe gets a table emma goes to the cafe looking for mark not marcus mark and she sees Marcus sitting there who vaguely fits the description mm-hmm. that her date put up on the dating app. And Marcus has no idea what Emmeline's supposed to look like. So Emma goes up to Marcus. I'm already getting confused with these names. Emma goes up yeah. to Marcus <laughs> and is like, hi, are you Mark? And he goes, I prefer Marcus. Marcus. Like, okay. And she goes, oh. And he says, are you Emmeline? And she's like, I'm Emma. <laughs> so... <laughs> it's i just i thought it was very funny and i love a good catfish story i think yeah and it ends up really happy yeah she ends up leaving her phone at the table and running out because of course he insults her as what is billionaires are want to do which seems to be the trend in this that they insult the heroine i just noticed that but yeah so and he takes her Mm -hmm. phone and it's pretty much insta lust he takes her phone and he uses her phone which isn't even locked he can just open it up and see all her information yeah real smart emma mm, 
I mean, I know there are people out there like that, but don't be that person. Year old, don't be that person. Be that Lock person. your phone, especially because mine has like all my passwords. Oh, yeah. mine doesn't have my passwords on it. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just I, that was one of the least believable parts for me. Mm-hmm. And they end up meeting. Marcus sends flowers and cat food to Emma's apartment where she lives with her three Persian cats. Mm-hmm. And she ends up going on dates with him. And mm-hmm. they have really, really steamy sex. It is good. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Good. The whole series is really good. I really enjoy one where he gets in real deep and hates it. Mm-hmm. And he's very resistant to it. I don't know if that was necessarily this one. Yeah, it kind of was because he keeps setting it up because he's like, I have this very specific idea for the ideal wife and it's not Emma. Oh. But Emma is like an addiction. Emma, I am going to get her out of my system. And then when that isn't clear, he's like, all right, let's think of this logically. Let's move her into my cave, mm-hmm. trap her, and then maybe I'll feel better. Yes. And of course, she did not respond to that very well. No, she doesn't. At the end of the story, spoiler alert. Uh, it's the middle of a blizzard in New York. We all know how that goes. At least up- upstate New Yorkers know how that goes. And she's flying down to Florida for Thanksgiving to meet, see her grandparents, whom she hasn't seen in a long time. And they are on the outs. Marcus and Emma are on the outs. Like, they've been fighting about money and about his possessiveness and about, like, his attitude towards her. And she says, fine, whatever, we're done. And he chases her through the airport. And he's like, I love you. I want to be with you. No, he's not. It's, well, okay. So he doesn't say, I love you. He doesn't say, I love you. He definitely, that's the problem is he approaches this from like a, hey, it's going to be easier for both of us if you just move in because with me. Because he loves her. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't even admit that to himself yet. He's like, oh, hey, I am trying to do this Emma D detox and it does not work. <laughs> so let me just get her in there. At this point, they've spent like 72 hours straight with each other Mm -hmm. and his obsession just continues to grow and he's like i can't imagine another minute really without her i need to just have this the whole time because in his mind i really like this analogy that he makes actually he refers to it as scarcity so in the market because he's a hedge fund market manager right yeah so it's the more scarce something is the more you want something so in his (laughs) mind he's like i'll just have her around me all the time scarcity won't be a thing and eventually Mm -hmm. the market will just be flooded and it'll be fine i can get rid of her Mm -hmm. isn't the most romantic notion i admit he gets over it eventually but that's the issue because she very much thinks that he is still in it for this perfect trophy wife that is not her she's in love with him and doesn't realize that they're not communicating properly and something else that I also really liked about this, just to kind of change tracks a little bit, is the money aspect of this, where she insists on paying for half of everything, even though she's really struggling, especially with her student loans yeah. and her living situation. She has a part, an apartment in Brooklyn by herself with three cats. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like a part-time bookstore clerk, maybe full-time, and an aspiring editor with very few jobs. And I just really enjoyed the fact that even when he was like, I can pay for everything. She goes, I know, but I want to pay for it. And he respects that for the most part. I mean, I wouldn't say respect it. I think he does enjoy it, but he does get to a certain point where he's like, this is ridiculous. I have all this money. Like, I really enjoy you and I want you to be with me. And you can't afford some of the things I want to do with you. Yeah. Because he gets very much like he wants to take her places. He dreams of all the trips he'll show her, all the food he wants to give her. And she can't afford, like, these $500 restaurant bills. You find out in the second one that it's very much related to this background she has with her mother. Oh. 
So there is a backstory to her stubbornness about it. Okay. But it is something that they do work through eventually. Also, all the food that they ate in this really made me hungry. Oh, yeah. They go out for Greek food, and that just sounded great. Baklava, and then they had, like, this squid ink risotto, and I'm like, oh, my God, I want that so bad. Mm. Drool running down my face. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so that is Wall Street Titan by Anna Zares, uh-huh. and we definitely recommend it. I haven't read the second one yet. Jen has... Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll convince Jen to let me borrow her copy. Oh, yeah, I could do that. No, I ended up really loving this one. I've probably reread it two or three times already. Oh, Not the whole good. thing. I get like, I go through the notes. But yeah, yeah, fair enough. I don't know. I just, I like the ideas this author usually has. I just usually get too scared of the darker one. <laughs> so this is like the lighter touch that I could enjoy her and I don't have to sit through the hero torturing the hero. Yeah, I don't know if I'll read her darker stuff just because I don't necessarily like dark romance especially mm-hmm. when there's waterboarding involved yeah it ends up being this whole thing <sighs> he's like this assassin spy he's trying to find information i think it was her ex-husband or dead husband oh. something like that or her dead brother i can't remember the family relation and he really thinks she knows something he's she's not telling and i mean it turns into like a four book series so clearly there's other stuff going on hmm. interesting but that's their meat bad i guess meat bad <laughs> instead of a meat cute but um Good job, Jen. That was a good one. I try once in a while, but not as good as this title. Okay. This so this book. was probably my favorite on the list just because it had so many tropes and the characters were really good. Uh, Billionaire's Wake Up Call Girl by Anika Martin. Oh! <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. And let me say, can I just say really quick, I had been trying to get Jackie to read this book for like two months and she was just like nah nah I don't think so I give it to her and immediately she's like oh hey this is great <laughs> I'll admit I so maybe <laughs> because it hasn't been available through the library except like an e-audio and I love audiobooks but I don't like listening to romance on audio oh I, love I don't that. know why <laughs> I mean I know why but I don't want to admit why <laughs> Especially this one. Especially this one. Oh, my God. The chili peppers. This is a five out of five. Woo. Red alert. This is ghost pepper territory. This one's good. Ooh, it was it was good. Okay, so Billionaire's Wake Up Call Girls, talk about puns in the title, was published in 2018, and it is focused. It's kind of like a workplace romance, um, but it's more fun. So... It's real fun. Theo is our hero. Oh, Theo the hero. From <laughs> zero to hero. Perky is a hero. Okay. But Theo is a brilliant chemist who runs a good pharmaceutical company. He isn't part of Big Pharma. Like, he actively works to go against Big Pharma, especially in certain instances. Sure. We'll talk about being a good billionaire at the end of this. Which doesn't exist. <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, Theo is awesome. And our heroine, whose name I forgot again. Sasha. No. Again? Yes, I forgot her name again. Oh, you're excited too. No, we were saying that. <laughs> is that Sophie? <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna pretend I didn't say any of that. And our heroine, Lizzie, is an assistant social media manager at Theo's pharmaceutical company. She mm-hmm. reports to the social media manager, Sasha, who directly reports to Theo. Keep that in your brain. Remember that little chain of command. Oh, yeah. Remember her. That's, that's important later. 
But at the start of the book, Lizzie is, she's in some financial difficulties because of past investments. She used to run a cookie bakery and she was kind of screwed over by her ex. Who, oh, she was very much screwed oh, over. Oh, she was definitely screwed over. Who she was, was a super screwed man. over. Her ex took her for everything and she mm-hmm. is actually in trouble with a loan shark now because he took money from the loan shark and put it in her name so she's and forged her signature she's yeah. like so very desperate she has 30 days to come up with twelve thousand dollars so she's only working at this pharmaceutical company to pretty much get that sign on bonus which is like eight thousand dollars or something i'm like can i work at that company <laughs> i would like that please thank you i'm good with instagram too <laughs> and at the start of the book uh, Sasha, Lizzie's boss, comes to Lizzie and is like, listen, our boss needs a wake-up call every day because apparently he doesn't know how to use an alarm clock. The problem is he's very particular. They make him very much outside of normal humans by having all of these kind of ways he likes things done. So he's one of those very particular billionaires who has all of these crazy rules and for whatever reason he does not like alarm clocks. He does not like waking up with the sun he has to have a physical human being call him and make sure he is awake at 4 30 every day every morning 4 30 sounds like a thrill so much i will also say though that the way theo was written i wouldn't be surprised if annika author came out and said that theo is on the autism spectrum Mm-hmm. On the social disorder spectrum, just because of the way he reads, sounds very familiar to autism spectrum disorder characters and books that I've read. I mean, it's it's close. We can't really say that because she didn't say it. It wasn't outright right. like in right. Kisquoten. But basically, what you can describe him as is an asshole. And everybody hates his guts. <laughs> and it is impossible for Lizzie to get anybody to do the service for him. So kind of out of sheer desperation, she accidentally does it herself. <laughs> but she doesn't need to. That's the beautiful part. So it's 4.30 on Monday morning, and she is waiting for this other wake-up call company to text her to say that they're going to call, and she doesn't. So her roommate comes out and like, just do the call yourself. And she, her roommate pretends to dial his number, quote-unquote, pretends. <laughs> and she just, and like, Lizzie steals the phone and says, wake up, motherfucker. <laughs> You can imagine a billionaire does not hear that a lot. Yeah, no. And she goes off on like this whole random, you think you're so awesome? Well, I got news for you, buddy. You're not awesome at all. (laughs) You are average. And all he responds is with, what? (laughs) And she hangs up. (laughs) And come to find out that he actually really enjoys the wake up call. Mm -hmm. And he reports to Sasha, Lizzie's boss. And he asked Sasha, hey, what was that wake-up company you got for me? Because he thinks that Sasha arranged it. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise, because Sasha takes credit for it. And she says, oh, oh, for everything. I don't know. And it goes around and around. And eventually, Lizzie ends up creating this fake company. And <laughs> all this, it's really amusing. There's sea turtles involved. It's so cute. There's it's just so, so many good details. There's so many good tropes I love in this one. The writing is really fun. The sex is really steamy. good. So, yeah, the phone calls between them at 4:30 in the morning quickly get very spicy. Oh like, yeah. Spicy. Oh. They're good. They're so They're good. good. And because uh, of yeah. course he gets obsessed with her even before he sees her, which is an aspect I really like. Maybe not obsessed. I shouldn't use that word. But he ends up getting really intrigued and fascinated by her. I would use obsessed. I think some of the mystery helps with him. You know, I don't know if this... He actually did catch... She had caught his eye 
in person. He doesn't realize he's met her. He calls her turnip truck. Yeah. Because <laughs> she dresses really bad. Because she was told by Sasha that she was dressing too provocatively. Yeah. She was wearing a pantsuit. <gasps> God, somebody warned Hillary Clinton. Scandalous. So she dresses like, uh, she wears a lot of thrifted, very baggy dresses to quote unquote hide who she is because she wants to be invisible. She just wants to make it to the bonus day so that she can quit right after and pay off the loan shark and then move back home and work on rebuilding her finances. And... Theo, like a couple days before her bonus is set to hit, Theo discovers that the phone calls are coming from inside the social media office. And he thinks it's Sasha. And Sasha takes credit for it. She's not a great person. And pretends so. to be Lizzie. There's, I usually do hate in these romance books where they have kind of this fake female villain that is just very stupid and stereotypical and like a caricature. But this one is very much a good villain because she just sucks. Yes. But they don't make her out to be a villain. That's the thing. They like, they, the author made it almost like it's okay what Sasha was doing and she doesn't get a retribution. I don't think it was okay so much as like she made her into a figure to be pitied. Hmm. So, I mean, she got her comeuppance in that she didn't get any attention from Theo, and that's what she had wanted the entire time. I think, I don't know, I didn't mind it so much, just because I think for her, the just throwing her away like nothing she did was talkaboutable. What's the word for that? Like, it was like beneath their notices. Oh, Okay. You know, and they both they, they had other problems, honestly. Yeah, they definitely had bigger problems. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away about this book. This that was actually kind of a major spoiler, but yeah, sorry. Uh, go read it, honestly. Just go read it. It was so okay. good. The entire series sounds really fun. She does a whole billionaire of Manhattan series. I ordered it all for the library. So we will get to read it again soon, guys. Because <laughs> it's so good. It's just really fun. And like there really wasn't much about it I didn't like. There were just so many good details. So many good details. I started reading this when I woke up in the morning at like 8 and I sat down and couldn't stop reading it. I read it and it only took me a couple hours to read because it was so fun and fast. So Billionaire's Wake Up Call Girl by Anika Martin. Definitely recommend. Write it down. Do it. It's in the show notes too, by the way. I don't know if I can say the same exactly about Trillion by Winter Renshaw. Yeah. So something that Jen and I noticed lately have noticed is that trillionaire books have started to appear on the scene <laughs> and this actually got Jen no! she was like how dare no! you <laughs> no and it's interesting because like Forbes and a bunch of other sources are saying that we will never have true life trillionaires yeah yeah sure Forbes I mean, would never say, say that never. inflation happens yeah when there's a billionaire there's a way okay I'm sure they could come up with something yeah it's you don't think that's not in mark zuckerberg's head or jeff soros he doesn't want to be the trillion the first trillionaire amazon's already super close to being a trillion dollar company if not already by i don't know when this is going to get released but so trillion by winter renshaw which came out this year 2020 and i give it three and a half fillies Eh, i don't know guys three so to be honest i started skimming over the sex scenes it wasn't super titillating to me but they did end up contributing to the plot because it did a lot of character development in the beginning that's what I really liked was the fact of how the sex actually really played into the storyline and was actually pretty important to the development of the relationship. I like that. But let's get into the plot. 
Trey Westcott is our hero, and he is a trillionaire, and he's a bored trillionaire. He he just buys up companies for the heck of it. He just wants to be a conglomerate of the world, pretty much. And Super. our heroine is actually named Sophie this time. <laughs> um sophie is she's she's not well off she's okay or she's not yeah. too badly off she's she's got some money but only because uh when she was 17 she engaged in a very damaging relationship mm-hmm. with an older man who was a millionaire billionaire, I think, billionaire yeah. maybe yeah and he he was a crap, pile of crap oh yeah he very much groomed her pretty much Groomed her, gave her a lot of money. Like she was his little fluff on the side. She really believed she was in love, and he's just kind of using her for fun. They only ever met in hotel rooms, and he didn't want to take her out in public for obvious reasons. Uh, yeah, you, we're not going to give too much away because that is pretty pretty important. But we will give out one spoiler alert that she got pregnant with her past affair. And this plays pretty heavily into her current love life with Trey and why she acts the way she does. So she ends up, the baby that she had with her affair, uh, she gave the baby up for adoption. And she thought she was giving the baby up to adoption to a woman, a wealthier woman who couldn't have babies. She was a, a pediatrician, all this sort of stuff. And Sophie's like, yeah, okay, this is fine. I can do this. She walks out of her recovery room in the hospital having just given her baby up to discover that it's a certain someone and the wealthy woman are married infuriating and they and he lied and said that the baby was just from some poor girl that he met yeah it's real it's real (sighs) ragey it's rage inducing yeah so she's got some baggage when it comes to uh, billionaires, rich men, money, yeah, and does not like it when Trey comes into the scene with her. And Trey is in the process of trying to buy out a company, an oil company. That there's a big, there's a big thing to do with this oil company, and the owner is holding out on Trey because he doesn't want to sell. It's a family business, yada yada yada, and he comes up with a stipulation that Trey has to be married and have a baby within two years in order to buy out this oil company. Which, in hindsight, is really gross. You should not uh, dictate other people's childbearing choices? No. I mean, what if... Oof, God, I don't... The least of I know, problems. but still, just thinking about it now, I'd be really horrified if somebody was like, okay, I'm going to give you this really great deal, but you have to have a kid. Like, ew. Yeah. No, it's not okay. Not okay at all. And Trey really has no interest in relationships because women only want him for his money. He witnessed his parents die in a very horrific accident. And he doesn't really want to put up with all the difficulty, I guess, that a relationship can bring. So he decides to hire a wife. What a shock. As you do. <laughs> of course. And he meets Sophie, who works at his company. Um, she is lower down on the totem pole. When she is defending trey whom she has never met before she defends him to office gossips and he overhears this and he's like that's it there we go all head all set let's get her and of course she is very much not gettable at first because of her past and she doesn't want the money she doesn't want the contract she obviously doesn't want to be in this kind of relationship again Mm. but in the end she ends up deciding that she can do more good with the money 
is in the prenup, so donating it to charities, starting yeah. foundations, etc. Then she could do any other way. So she says, okay, only for that to be a mm-hmm. do-gooder. And when I first heard, like, when you were talking to me about this before I read the book, I thought that was such a stupid reason. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was very much the author being like, oh, see, look how great my heroine is. She's not a gold digger. She just cares about other people. Woo-hoo-hoo. But then you go into her past and all of her reasons for why she donates to charities and why she is so fixated on being of some use to the world. It made a lot of sense. So I don't want to get into too many spoilers of her motivations, but it's not as stupid as it might seem on the surface. Because it sounds corny, right? Or not corny, but it does sound like the author is trying super hard to be like, hey, look, my characters are great. They're not like these, the real life billionaires and rich people. She is going to sell herself for charity. Uh, are we going to have this discussion now? Let's have this discussion now. Oh, can I have this discussion now? You can. You can no. have your rant. I Thank approve. Thank you. First of all, just in relation to Trillion, I don't really understand why he had to be a trillionaire. I think a billionaire would have been just fine. I've rolled my eyes so hard as I was saying that. <laughs> but it's it, it's interesting to me how the authors always have to try and justify their billionaires, either through some kind of a redemption plot or they're like a secret do-gooder. It's kind of like how they just can't be billionaires. They can't be quote-unquote realistic. They have to be redeemable. They have to be that romance hero. Well, to be fair... Real billionaires kind of suck. This is true. This is very true. A big thing in Trillionaire is that he goes on this little, not a rant, like he's got a little shtick where he's like, I'm just a trillionaire because I'm so good at making money and all that's all I do with my life. And that's my, my whole world is just making money. And I got really frustrated that because it's not how it works in real life. Okay. Even the most social justice warrior-ish kind of billionaires they still do things like actively work with congress to pass tax breaks they use money to buy back stock instead of trickling it down to their workers they don't pay a living wage to all their employees they cut regulation they break finance laws openly because usually the fine is not nearly as close to whatever they made in profits and they're you just you just do not happen to make an obscene amount of money through running your business. <laughs> and I mean, like, truly obscene, like Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg. It's not an accident. You know, it's not just really hard work. You have to take active steps to rig the system to your benefit, avoid as many taxes as possible, and cut yourself and your board a massive salary when your lowest paid employees are probably making minimum wage. So I appreciate that these authors are trying to be really careful about being like, oh, no, not my trillionaire or billionaire. Here he is being a good guy all the time. Yay! But it's still very much not a thing that could have happened because he is such a hard worker. Mm -hmm. They obviously work hard. I mean, every single billionaire we read about, they have like, what, 70 hour (laughs) weeks. I mean, they're in the office from noon to to day, noon to day. (laughs) They're in the office from like daybreak, day set. I mean, they're obviously putting their sweat and hard work into these businesses. But let's not kid ourselves. It is you have to do a lot of sneaky background things to make the kind of money that is this truly obscene amount. It doesn't just happen. So instead, when there were scenes like in Trillionaire, he makes a big deal about firing this guy who had been hitting on the interns and trying to peer pressure them into sexual activity. I was kind of just rolling my eyes because I was like, okay, sure. At the author, 
instead of being like, oh, he's such a guy. That was my thought. So as much as they're on the surface, like, oh, look at how great my billionaire is. I'm kind of like in the background and the scenes that I'm not seeing. I'm like, well, what are you saying to Congress? What are you doing with all this influence and this power that this money has gotten you? Let's not kid ourselves. And I think that's why I feel so bad about liking billionaire romance so much. Fair enough. What you were saying something the other night to me about how much you hate reading these scenes yeah. because it takes you out of it the does, story because instantly when they're like that i'm like it's not how that's not what happens it very much feels like the author is trying to i'm not so much ragging on the author i appreciate what they're trying to do i appreciate they're trying to kind of put the billionaires in the world we wish they were in and what i mean we hope that they would be like but it takes me mm-hmm. out because i'm like oh well he's not like that like they're not like that yeah even the billionaires that are the CEO of JP Morgan's a really good example and they go into a lot of detail in, in him and the book The System. He is very much someone who talks about income inequality and he puts hundreds of millions of dollars into some kind of charitable work, but he still got ripped to stretch by Katie Porter for very good reason because he mm-hmm. is talking a lot of talk, but where he can make a real difference, uh, JP Morgan is making like 30 billion a year. Mm-hmm. And it's through a lot of shady things like actively uh, campaigning against tax increases or getting rid of regulations. It's not just, oh, I'm just so good at working, guys. You can yeah. make a ton of money being really good at working, but I think to really make this insane amount, it's it's uncomprehendable how much wealth they have. They're very much the modern day robber barons, dragons hoarding all of the wealth. I think that's my biggest problem with these books, as much as I love them for the escapism and the fantasy and oh man it'd be so nice if i could get my student loans paid off <laughs> but, <laughs> but i think we have to remember that it's not like this in real life and it does suck me out when i'm like yeah in real life the ceo does not care i'm sorry no. i just really do not think the ceo cares maybe he cares a little more after me too but it's because of the p- possible pr scandal not because of oh those poor interns yeah which is why it was kind of interesting in trillion to get back on track <laughs> That was on track. Yeah, it was fair enough. That it was the heroine who was making these. She has to be a good heroine. And the hero didn't necessarily have a moment like that. That I all. I mean, at the end, he like, he obviously saves the heroine. Yeah, I mean, she, it does fall prey to an annoying trope. I don't like, I don't know how much to get into it without a spoiler. I mean, it's a romance. They, They come back together. It works out. He's not a bad guy. And as much as I've ranted, I really did enjoy Trillion. It was not as bad as I was expecting it to be. <laughs> I was. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. I was really expecting to hate it. And it ended up being really good. The motivations were great. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. I will say I like the beginning better than the end. I would have liked aspects of the end a little bit better. But I love a heroine that's just mean to the hero. Yeah, I think I think the ending could have been a little stronger in my personal opinion. I would have liked to see have seen a little more redemption. We won't get into it. But yeah, it's worth a read. It's worth a good, interesting what the heck does a trillionaire do trope. And don't know how much more I'll read of this. I won't lie. I I have read more billionaire romance in the past week than I have in like the last three years. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I wanted to ask how you were liking it because obviously I've been a fan, but you're kind of a newbie to the scene. I okay, so I really liked Annika Martin. I will definitely read the rest of that series. Ruth Cartello, I do want to read a couple of the other in the Legacy series series just because I definitely want to read. Um, one of her books has a Sheikh who is the hero and S H E I K H for those of you who don't know what the heck how you, how you say that word it's Sheikh and um, an Asian billionaireess which I do want to read that one that one sounds really fun interesting I don't know maybe I've got to give her another chance I don't know um, but I don't know how much more of the billionaire I will read just because it's not okay. my favorite trope and there's so many other books that are out there that I do prefer more. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to welcome you to the billionaire world for a little bit. Thank you. There <laughs> is fun. one there's one thing I did want to bring up that we didn't really have a chance to talk about mm-hmm. in our last one. And this thought was inspired by another podcast that I listened to by two lovely Australian ladies. And it's called Book Slut. Which, first off, that is an excellent name. Man, I wish we could have called us that. <laughs> I don't think that would have happened in any universe. Listen, we had enough trouble with Between the Covers for our romance book club. I, was, I don't know why. I, I obviously meant Between the Covers of a book. <laughs> uh, you wanted to call this podcast Between the Cover Live. So <laughs> I definitely would have gotten the wrong time. You're right. Just because it wouldn't have been live. Exactly. That was the problem. God. Okay. Yeah, that's the only reason right there. So this podcast by Book Slut, uh, episode was called Eat Out the Rich. <laughs> yeah, it, they were describing one of the books. Uh, they were actually reviewing a billionaire book called Love and Money, which features a black woman billionaire as the heroine, which is interesting to begin with. And the hero is, he's not quite working class, but he's a white man. And he is lower class than the billionaire. He's not a millionaire. Let's put it that way. So they get together and the podcast brought up an interesting question of classism in romance novels and especially intrinsic classism in billionaire romance novels and millionaires too, because let's be honest, there's a lot of millionaire romances out there. And it wasn't something I had ever really thought before. So the inherent classism that is in romance novels and especially billionaire and billionaire romance novels is the sense that classism is of course something that exists in our society it's not as prevalent and as noticeable as say the indian caste system or i think particularly of the medieval class system it's not anything like that but we still do have classes and classism in america today uh, especially with billionaires, they're in a whole other league than Jen and I, for instance. <laughs> they are up there and they're living a completely different lifestyle that is just not attainable for the regular everyday person. Yeah, And it's something that I think, my question is, how good is this actually that we're reading these very classist tropes of take the poor white girl out of her quote unquote trailer trash living and bring her in pretty woman style to this high quality life and save her quote unquote. Is, is that something that we should culturally be reading? Is that something we should be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
pushing, like, should we be pushing this classist agenda in romance literature? I mean, I would say that's kind of pushed everywhere. I wouldn't necessarily worry about it in romance outside of it maybe being romanticized. Mm -hmm. But it's also so unlikely. I mean, I'm not too worried about it. I think most people kind of, hmm, I don't know. It's not, that's... The idea that it's bending my mind towards what favoring billionaires. Mm-hmm. I mean, that obviously hasn't happened. Yeah, that's true. That is true, I guess. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little better because, like you were saying, obviously the billionaires in these books aren't anything like billionaires in real life. I mean, just alone, they're the real billionaires aren't hot or young. Who would really sleep with Jeff Bezos outside of owning billions of dollars? Do you think anybody would care about Mark Zuckerberg otherwise? No, not at all. I mean, the question really is I'm, how much influence and power unfairly does that give them? Like, why am I really listening to Bill Gates tell me about schools? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, outside of him owning a billion of dollars, but a lot of his experiments with chartering were just that, experiments. Yeah. This is true, I guess. It's a whole thing. That's more what I'm worried about. Yeah. <laughs> Since romance is such an escapist genre to begin with, I guess it almost has to be more Mm -hmm. fanciful and what's more fanciful than being decked out in diamonds on a private island in the middle of the caribbean with a handsome billionaire hero with a six-pack yeah giving you diamond studded champagne (laughs) glasses yeah and there's no ethical repercussions from that the authors too that are writing this if we're talking about real world They are very good authors. They're quote unquote good people, I guess, for the most part, what we see at least. And we can support Mm -hmm. them and be happy about supporting them in their authorial adventures. (laughs) That was a weird way of saying that. (laughs) No, I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yeah. It's like, see, here's the one. These are the ones we can trust, but Batman should be taxed more. Yeah. I like it. That's a good note to end this on. So, Jen, what are we talking about next month? <gasps> oh, my God, Jackie. Oh, my God, Jen. Oh, my God, guys. Oh my God. I am so excited. Romance nerds. Oh <laughs> we are going to be talking about Ruby Dixon's <laughs> Ice Planet Barbarians. Sorry. I just went out of This is already. one of our, if not the favorite author of ours oh for kindle unlimited and kindle yes. just in general it is really good so she does good. a great sci-fi series and i hate sci-fi like i hate <laughs> sci-fi but this really works for me this is oh my god it's so good so tune in so january first 2021 <gasps> we're gonna start the year so off right excited. with some ice planet yes. blue aliens because jen and i live on an ice planet in january <laughs> <All right. laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're already living here in Syracuse. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So tune in January 1st, 2021 to hear us talk about Ruby Dixon and why you should like Blue Aliens. Oh, you should. I mean, everybody should, but you especially, the person listening to us should. And on that note, a little bit of housekeeping. We just learned today that the comment section on our webpage, nopal.org slash Raging Romantics, is not enabled. <laughs> Sorry, guys. If you've been trying to leave comments, if anybody has been trying to leave comments, that's why. Uh, so instead, you can now email us with any comments, suggestions, things you'd like to see. We can also take criticism. That's fine. I can't. Don't criticize me. I'll cry. I won't send it to you, Jen. Don't worry. 
I'll, I'll read it and then we'll <laughs> tell you about it. <laughs> so our email is get your pen and paper out, guys. It is ragingromantics at gmail.com. I know it's okay. really difficult. We look forward to all of your comments, except the insults. Uh, be nice. Don't send us bad things. <laughs> You'll hear me cry in the next podcast if you do. Yeah. Uh, we are also now available on Spotify Woo! at Raging Romantics on Spotify.com. So look at us there. Give us a follow. Give us some stats. We'd love to it's exciting. know who you are. Let us know who you are. Yeah. We're still figuring out what we're doing. Uh, so let us know. <laughs> hopefully the audio in this one sounds better than the last one. That's all I have to say. It's been a struggle. All right. That is it for this time, guys. Thank you for listening. It's been fun. It's been real. It's been great. Keep raging on. Happy reading, guys. Bye.